Look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 33, and we have been a little absent, but we because we've been busy. But we got all the news for you now uh, of everything that happened while we were gone. Our last show was August 31st, and then we'll have everything that is coming up in the next couple of weeks. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, like always, my co-host, uh, Southern California boxing journalist, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for asking. And along with us, a new a new addition to the show, uh, female boxing insider, Miss Amy Green. Miss Green, how are you doing? I'm fine, guys. How are you? Amy, thank you. Thank you. Amy, uh, for those people that don't know uh, what you've done in the female boxing world, why don't you give us a little bit of, uh, of your background, and that way they, they can see, uh, they can listen to who is joining us on the show. I started primarily as a boxing publicist for the All Women series, A Ring of Their Own, which I think debuted in 2004 or five, and I was with that until they closed out the series, and I got to see a lot of exciting female fighters develop from there. Um, Elena Reed, Janine Garside, Chevelle Hallback, just a lot of a lot of interesting fighters, and I've kept on. In publicity, working with men and women, I currently work with retired champion Terry Moss and Christy Martin in some of their publicity efforts. And I've also covered as a writer a lot of the a lot of good female fighters. Now, for those people that don't know about a ring of their own, why don't you uh, enlighten us about th- that project that that was going on uh, about ten years ago? A Ring of Their Own was started by promoters Arnie Rosenthal and Ken Weiss by Rock and Sock Productions, and they wanted to give, you know, a women, women a platform to have their own cards. And so that's what they did. They designed it to have, you know, all women cards at a variety of places. The first fight was at the Silverton Hotel and Casino there in Vegas. We had a, a few shows in Laughlin, Kansas City, Canada, Los Angeles, and I, the last card I believe I worked with was at Harrah's, and it featured a title bout between again Elena Reed and Mary Ortega, and that was that was a thriller. That was a that was a that was a really good fight. David, uh, did you get to cover any of those fights that uh, Amy's talking about? Uh, actually, that's where I met Amy. I met Amy at the Los Angeles one, and then. Uh, I also attended uh, the Las Vegas and Laughlin uh, projects, and uh, they were all pretty exciting. They were all filled with female fighters of various degrees, different countries, and uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good while it lasted. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So Amy will be joining us on the show, and she's going to give us her insight and her perspective of, of all the topics that we touch here. Now, in about 15 minutes, we're going to have – former Olympic fighter and now pro under the top rank banner, the first fighter to be signed by top rank 
the first female fighter to be signed by Tom Freck, Michaela Mayer. But before that, let's go back and go over a little bit of the fight results that happened in the last month <clears throat> since we have not been on the air. Saturday, September 2nd from the Domo de la Feria in Chihuahua, Mexico, and it was broadcast on te- uh, TV uh, Televisa. Uh, Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez scored a unanimous decision over Cecilia Santos Goy Ramirez in a 10-rounder to capture the vacant WBC Feckenbox flyweight title. So here, the sister of Mariana Juarez has actually uh, captured her first belt. It's a w- it's, it's the Feckenbox belt, which is... The Feckenbox is a uh, the organization. It's kind of like the ABC in the United States, the, Associated, uh, the Association of Boxing Commissions, where the Feckenbox is kind of the same thing uh, for Mexico, and they have uh, like a national title, and it's and it's kind of like sponsored by the WBC. So it gets you in the rankings. So Lourdes catches, uh, captures that title now. And let's see uh, where she goes from there. Uh, the same, uh, one week later on September 9th in San Miguel, Argentina, Cecilia Sofia Mena scored a, a TKO. Actually, no, it was the other way around. Anaí Esther Sanchez, I believe, scored a TKO over Cecilia Sofia Mena in a scheduled 10-rounder to capture the vacant a, uh, WBA 135-pound title, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later because Anaí Esther Sanchez is going to be facing one of the upcoming fighters to defend that title. And the same night in the Centro de Convenciones in Mexico, Estrella Valverde scored a unanimous decision over Carolina Arias in a 10-rounder to score the vacant WBC International Super Flyweight title. So maybe we'll be seeing her uh, challenge for the uh, full-fledged one soon. Estrella Valverde is somewhat of a veteran. She's been fighting for, for quite a while. <clears throat> and on the same night, September 9th, in Agua Prieta, Mexico, Jessica Reguin scored a unanimous decision over Nasli Maldonado in a 10-rounder for the Feckenbox version, but the Super Bantamweight scores there were 193 times. And from the Subhub Center in Carson, California, on the undercard of that uh, sword rubbing side, Chocolatito Gonzalez card, Senise Estrada scored a unanimous decision over Anaí Torres in an eight-rounder uh, at Life Flyweight. David was there. I was there. David, first, your impressions of Senise Estrada and this win for her. Uh, I actually thought that that was the best I've ever seen her fight uh, as a professional. And uh, she looked pretty sharp. And um, she actually looks like she could handle anybody, at any uh, whether they're world title holders or contenders. I was pretty impressed. Amy, did you get a chance to catch that on a feed or anything like that? I saw some clips of it afterwards, and I think she continues to improve. And she's she looked really sharp, and I thought she looked really really strong. And you know, that was a great that was a great night. That was a great card. I mean, the, the tiny guys put it on. I just wish she had been, of course, you know, I wish she'd been more prominently featured, like you know, actual televised time, but. Mm-hmm. It's happening little by little, and I think one day she'll she'll have the main event spotlight or a co-main or at least televised. She actually was the first fight of the card, so I, I was expecting her to fight a little bit later than that as well because she is a ticket seller more than some of the other guys that were featured after her that were local. Um, so that is true. Now, one thing that I did see is that I, I saw her very comf- com- comfortable in there, and that's the one thing that – I think it's a, I don't know, her team or anything. I want to see her lose a couple rounds, you know. I want her to see, I want her to face a little bit of adversity 
before I think she makes a jump to a world title challenger or something like that because she feels I think that she I mean obviously she was skillfully so much better than Anaí Torres faster bigger uh, much better boxer so I kind of would want to see her in a, in a fight that she, that she's gonna struggle a bit before I see her in a title fight just to give her that experience what do you think about that David? Uh, I think that's not going to happen until she fights a world champion. I think she's mm-hmm. just that good that uh, anybody below world champion is not going to give her much trouble. Because if you remember, too, um, good. yeah, if you remember that fight against Selena Lopez, which was back in mm-hmm. April of 2016 on the undercard of Gennady Golovkin against Dominic Wade, uh, you know she she. She didn't have a walk in the park against Elena Lopez. Elena Lopez is a tough uh, fighter from Mexicali, Mexico. And even though Siniesa won all the rounds, she had to fight in every round to win those rounds. But I think that, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe a, a, a Amaris Quintana or somebody like that that's a little bit more experienced and, and has some good wins under her belt can kind of make her, you know, struggle a little bit. Or do you think that she takes that in a landslide? Uh, I think uh, Amaris Quintana would be a good fight for her. I mean, that's a. I mean, Amaris is her. Uh, she's also very good. But uh, I think that uh, the reason that her fights are a little easier now is that she finally found her style. She was kind of confused uh, last year on how she should fight. She looked like she was going for knockouts, and that's not really who she is. Mm-hmm. I think she's more of a boxer puncher, and and she settled into that groove. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. That's good, and she and that's one thing that I did see in this fight is that she looked very, very comfortable in that ring, like she found her home against Anaí Torres, who, who you know, is very experienced. I mean, she had I think even three times the fights that Tenis Estrada has at this point as a pro. So it wasn't you know an easy an easy opponent in front of her. She just was able to dominate her with scores of eighty, seventy-two, three times. Now the following week on Friday, September fifteenth. Uh, from the Foxwood Resort in Mashantucket, uh, Connecticut, the Bella Entertainment put on a fight card that featured Shelly Vincent uh, scoring a unanimous decision over veteran Angel, uh, Angel Gladney in an A-rounder at 130 pounds. Scores were 80-72, two times in 80-71, so she was pretty dominant in that fight. But one thing that I question is, <clears throat> why have we seen so little of Shelly Vincent? I mean, she had a great fight against Heather Hardy uh, in the fall of last year. I mean, it was uh, one of the the fights that kind of started this new wave or this new yeah this new wave of, of, of female boxing on TV. We were all excited about it. They put on a great show, and I think this is her second fight since then. But she hasn't been prominently featured uh, in another card. What do you think about that? Uh, it's kind of strange. I, I have no idea what, why it happened. Uh, do you, Amy? <laughs> I haven't I haven't heard anything about her except that she that she had the win and you know I kind of wondered if you know if is is Debella promoting her full time or is she just kind of picked up by whoever has a card in her area or what what are they really doing with her Yeah good question I think she's, she's still with Debella I think she is too but she's 38 years old I mean not that that makes oh. a big of a difference she's getting a little bit older yeah. you know um, I mean, but, you know, we see uh, female fighters fight into their 50s. I mean, just ask uh, uh, Alicia Ashley or uh, Jolene Blackshear. I don't think Jolene was, Jolene was pretty close to, to getting to 50. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, she's fought, 
since that Heather Hardy she fought back in uh, in December, uh, actually in December against Marquita Lee, she scored a win there, and then she hadn't fought since then nine months. So we know that Shelita, uh Shelly has you know she's had some issues, uh, personal issues and stuff like that. So I hope it's not anything like that that's keeping her away from the ring. You know she's she's got a, a, a devoted following, and she's she's got like that rowdy demeanor that the fans like to get mm-hmm. behind, and and she's a pretty gutsy fighter. I I was actually hoping she'd dominate Hardy a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. but you know she's just it's it might be you know one thing is you know I don't know if people are considering her age to be a factor because then you've got to look at Alicia Ashley who's still getting fights and everything. So I I really I really think it would be a shame if she were to be fought less and less frequently or or that she would, you know, retire for lack of use. I mean she could it's it's just sometimes it's just hard for different women and I I don't understand what the hurdle is. Yeah, we you know, I she hope has we the get talent, to see her. she has the skill. She has the fan base, so I, I hope we get to see a little bit more of her. Uh, in the upcoming uh, year. Now, Saturday, September 16th, the next night at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, Golden Boy Promotions featured Marlene Esparza scoring a unanimous decision over, over Araceli Palacios in a flyweight bout. It was a six-rounder, I believe, at three minutes, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that Marlene Esparza is doing out there in Las Vegas. Scores were 60 to 54 three times, but the fight was not void of controversy. The first one, Esparza not making weight. So I think that I don't know I don't know what to think of that because I mean first of all she's not fighting that often as often as a four round fighter should or a six round fighter or a fighter that made yeah. her pro debut this year she made her pro debut in March she fought again in May on the undercard of Canelo against uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. and now she's fighting again five months later on the undercard of Canelo against Gennady Golovkin now we know that that is something that she worked on as part of her deal for Golden Boy Promotions, but what's the point? What's the point of, of, of not fighting uh, as often as you should when you're uh, a pro debuter in 2017? And not making yeah, weight. Is she trying to be a female Gervonta Davis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, she might have to change her tact. Uh, not fighting that often, I think it definitely is hurting her. She mm-hmm. should just accept any of the fights uh, just to get into the flow of things because she's trying to change over from that amateur style to the pro style. And, and I could see it. It's, she's slowly developing, but she's not. She's, she's only halfway there. Yeah. Let, let's go back to that conversation because I find it very interesting. But with us now on the line, and we're going to patch her in fairly quickly here, is former Olympian and now pro fighter with a 2-0, two-knockout record, lightweight, Michaela Mayer, let me bring her on. Michaela, is that you? Yes, this is me. Hi, guys. Hi, how you doing? Now, Hi. before I, I keep butchering your name, what's the right pronunciation of it? <laughs> Thank you. It's Michaela Mayer. Okay, Michaela like Mayer. Mayer. Yeah, Michaela yeah. Mayer. It's because I'm Mexican, so I try to read your your first name in Spanish, and that's why I say it yes. <laughs> different. I don't mind that. A lot of people do, Michaela. It's okay. But the Meyer is what gets me. It's Mayor. <laughs> Mayor. Okay. So, uh, 
with that said, thank you for joining us here on the Two Minute Round, uh, all female boxing talk here on uh, Block Talk Radio. And I'm going to pass you on to Mr. David Avila. He's going to take on the first part of this interview. Thank you for joining us. Okay, yeah. Michaela, hi. Michaela, how are you doing? Hi, David. How are you? I'm great. How are are you? Good, good. Are you in Sacramento or are you in Southern California? I'm in Sacramento right now, yeah. So you've already begun training again. Yeah, um, I get back in the gym with Gabe on Monday, but, uh, you know, I've learned over the years, I never like taking more than like five days off, even like a week is pushing it. Um, so I've already started my run, but I ran yesterday and today, but you know, you need a little bit of time off just to kind of like rejuvenate your mind. Oh yeah, that's true. You gotta take some time (laughs) off for, for people that, um, uh, I, I've known Michaela since about 2011. I think she was in an amateur show in Oxnard. Uh, I think it was, it was either the Pals or something. You were fighting Poland and Russia and Belarus. And, yeah, and, it, was uh, a women, it was a women's round robin duel that we had out there. That was a really awesome duel that we had. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, at that time, I, I noticed that you were this lightweight with height and speed, and um, you just kind of stood out. And you just barely missed the, the Olympics uh, for 2012. And, and so what kept you going? What kept you going after barely missing the Olympics in 2012? Um, well, you know, I really hadn't been doing it for that long. And I knew that I still had so much more to earn, and I was nowhere near my peak, and my dream wasn't over. So four years seemed like a long time, but it was really just an opportunity, opportunity for me to get better and more experienced um, for the following Olympic trials. I know that after that. Yeah, I never um, saw it as like a – I'm sorry, what? I know that after that I would hear about you at different gyms all over Southern California, Nevada. I mean, you were (laughs) everywhere, sparring against everybody. Was that that your goal, just to spar with everybody, learn everybody's style, or – or, or was that some a plan that was set upon, upon you by others? Well, I was just, you know, I was just a young, motivated, hungry fighter, and I didn't know exactly what the right thing to do was. I just knew that I needed to show up every day, get in the gym, find sparring, and that was before I went up to Northern Michigan and I met with the three-time Olympic coach, Al Mitchell, who I've been with ever since. But up until that moment, I, you know, I was just trying to get in the gym and get the work and learn as much as I can, uh, as much as I could. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I remember seeing you at Maywood and you were sparring with world champion uh, uh, female fighters and, and and here you were, an amateur, willing to, to spar with anybody at any time. And you were doing pretty well. You were doing pretty well. And, yeah, thank and you. After you teamed up with Mitchell, what were the, some of the things that you learned after hooking up with him? Um, I think before I met with uh, Al Mitchell, I was kind of just going off of natural talent and just getting in there and fighting. Um, when I, because my coach in LA was like a Muay Thai coach and great guy, really took me under his wing, but he wasn't a boxing genius the way Al Mitchell was and had the type of experience so when I got with coach Al it kind of really broke me down I mean took me really back to the basics my footwork staying off my heels boxing on the angles using my reach just basic fundamentals that no one had really ever broken down and showed me 
<laughs> and when you finally made the the Olympic team, what was it like uh, uh, fighting in the Olympics? You you had a couple of fights there in Rio. Uh, what was that experience like? Uh, what was it like fighting uh, international stars and in that tournament type of atmosphere? Yeah. Um, I had so much fun traveling the world and competing for USA Boxing and Team USA. It was it was a really a lot of fun for me and it was the like the biggest pride of my life, honestly. I don't think anything will ever top it. Um, and go, all I thought about for years was making that Olympic team and, and getting to the Olympics. And I have to be honest with you, after the Olympics, I kind of just felt, like, unfulfilled. And I thought there was going to be more. I thought I was going to feel something like, okay, after all these years I did it, and now I'm fulfilled. And I just wasn't, you know. And I, that's what kind of got me looking into the other direction of, okay, am I – and the women's MMA is where they're getting a lot of attention and exposure. Like, do I go that way? Do I turn pro? Because I just didn't know if I wanted to do that all over again and then maybe feel the same way. So there was just something that I wanted. I wanted more. I didn't really know exactly what it was, but it got me kind of opening my mind and, like, looking in directions of possible opportunities. And, I mean, within eight months, boom, 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 I'm signed with top rank and heading to my pro debut. So it was a really crazy, like, eight months after the Olympics, mentally. <laughs> when they approached you, were you surprised that, that, you, that you got approached by top rank, or was it somebody approaching them from your camp? Okay, David, I was literally days or maybe a week or two away from signing a contract with Bellator and transitioning to MMA. I was really close. Wow. And my manager said, let's just wait. promoters because I had spoken to a few but none of them were giving me the impression that um, they saw the vision or that they really wanted to invest in a woman you know they're just saying like oh three three thousand dollars a fight this and that no signing bonus blah 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 and I was like no if I'm going to if I'm going to sacrifice my dream of going to Tokyo and winning my gold medal like I need to have a, a promoter that is backing me I need to have a major promoter and Stars kind of all like aligned at once, and my manager called me back and said, "Hey, Top Rank wants to meet with you. They're in Vegas." And I literally was like, "I am literally in Vegas right now. I was out there trying out an MMA camp." And I said, "I'm in Vegas right now." He's like, "Wow, okay, let's I'll set up a meeting." And I met with him the next day. And a couple of weeks well, later, who, I was signing. Who did you meet with? Who was the actual first uh, point of contact with Top Rank? Todd DeBuff. I sat down with Todd DeBuff um, the day after my manager called me, and um, it was just crazy. I was in Vegas. My manager flew out, sat down, and he told me everything I wanted to hear, you know? He, he made me feel like he saw, like, really what, what we could do for women's boxing, and he saw that I was the one who could help do it and kind of just gave me everything I needed, gave me the support and gave me the the just the contract that I wanted. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, and you've had two pro fights. Uh, the first one, you couldn't really tell what you, the, the transition that you made. But that second fight, that kind of showed what you could do. Um, I w- was one of those that was very surprised that you were able to pick up the pro game so quickly. Of all the Olympians, you seem to be the one that has that pro style down, and you're just getting sharper. Uh, how, how did you get to that transition? Who taught you? all these things uh, to to break away from the amateurs to the pro. 
Well, it's good to hear how, hear you say that because, it's, like I said, I've only had two pro fights, and obviously I want to make that transition well, and I was very conscious of the small but important things that I needed to do to make that transition. Um, and I recently started working with Gabe Flores because I moved out here to Sacramento, and he's right here in Stockton. And he, his style just complements my style so well. He keeps me boxing long and tall, which is what I like, but he's making me sit down a little bit more on my punches and working maybe a little bit more power combinations. But I think I think I always had it in me. It's just a different mentality in the amateurs. A little mm-hmm. bit pillow, like your gloves are a little bit more pillowy. You got headgear on, and my mindset wasn't really like knock these girls out. It was just outbox the shit out of them, you know, and just score. <laughs> so I think like my mentality has changed a little bit, where I'm going in there and I feel these the size of these gloves, and I'm like. I want to do something exciting. I want to go in there and knock these girls out. And I feel like that's what women's boxing needs. We need exciting fights. We can't just be mediocre. So I just have a different mindset. Yeah, I've seen it. I, I mean, you have this attack mentality. It's uh, it, it's kind of, um, well, I'm sure that most female fighters have the same thing, but you were able to implement it. And that was kind of uh, refreshing to see that you were able to do it so quickly as, I was kind of amazed. Do you have any questions, Amy, that you wanted to ask, Michaela? Oh, I have like a million questions because <laughs> I've I've followed Michaela since Michaela. I followed you since you were in Atlanta at Buckhead Fight Club with Terry Moss. For you guys had like a dual tournament with the Chinese team. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with China. And, you know, I, I asked Terry because I did the work with her from afar because I had just been there and couldn't go back. You know, it just seems like you have you have everything all together. You have the composure, you have the look, you've got the personality, and you've been able to mesh really well into the pros. It's just you've been the most impressive to me by far out of all of those, out of all the groups that came out of the Olympics. Well, thank you. And I just, you know, it you're you're I think you're very wise to wait for Todd DeBuff and Top Rank, and you're not going to. You know, I don't think personally right now you'll find a better team. Lee Samuels is great. I've worked with him a lot, and it's just, you know, it's just it's pretty inspirational to have someone that's well-spoken, has a great appearance, and then can get in there and really represent the sport like we've been waiting for. But yeah, what, um, what, I, what I'm wondering, too, is, um, you know, like you were working from gym to gym and doing all this and gathering all this experience, do you think that helped you mature into the pro style easier along with the good training and the experienced trainers? Well, when I was hopping around gyms in L.A., that was just very in the beginning of my career. That was, I was still 18, 19 years old. So, um, but what really I think helped me was when you're competing at such a high level in the amateurs and you're going month, every other month, you're in a new country fighting four or five times in one week and having to adapt to different styles, constantly having to Mm -hmm. adapt to different styles. Um, And it was such a, such a busy last like three years. Like honestly, I haven't stopped and they've competed me so much and really took me to another level. Um, just that experience and I just think that's the kind of experience that you can't get anywhere else those three years I spent traveling these last three years with Team USA are 
just took me to another level, and I just don't think the girls I'm going up against can compete with that experience. No, no, they really can't because when you're in the amateurs, you you fight who they put in front of you, and yep. it's pretty cut and dried. You got to do it, you know. Yep. You got to do it. And you got to win. Um, and you have to adjust. What are you looking? Thirty seconds. You have to adjust. Yeah. Exactly, and you have you you know it's it's and it's so quick, you know. What was were your your rounds over this last weekend when you had this huge win? Were they two or three minute rounds? I don't recall. They were two minute rounds. Um, now I'm hearing they're in some states. I tried to get my last fight moved to three minutes, but the California State Athletic Commission, my first fight, wouldn't do it. So. Um, I don't know. I think it just depends on the state right now, like who who would allow it. Right. But I know some girls are going three minutes now. What What's your stance on two or three minute rounds? I don't know. Um, so many new things, honestly. Like I've just transitioning to the pros about like the first time I ever even asked this question, but I don't mind going three rounds. I mean, I'm conditioned. I feel like I'm more conditioned than my opponents for sure. Um, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> Two-minute rounds, three-minute rounds. I don't want I don't want to go I – don't, I don't plan on finishing the whole fight anyway. I just – I want to go in there and fight my hardest. Two-minute round, three-minute round, five-minute rounds. I just haven't even paid attention to the small details like that yet. Well, even though you're just now back into the gym, getting reacclimated, you know, you said you just started doing your runs and this and that and the other. Um, have they given you another possible fight date to aim for? Yeah, they they are um, during my fight week this last week. They already told me that they're putting me on the Lomachenko Rigandau card at Madison Square Garden on the ninth. Well, I just totally oh. spaced that because I'm trying to go because I've got a I've got a client Kelly Pavlik that has a radio show and. He's going to be going, so I'm like, that's why I want to go. I really don't want to. Yes, yeah. I do want to see Lomachenko, but I really, really <laughs> want to see Michaela Mayer. <laughs> yeah, so that's an amazing card to be on. Like, awesome, you know. I want to stay busy. I, I'm used, like I said, I'm used to fighting so often that I don't. I'm trying to fight like five or six times a year. Fight me, fight me. I just want to go. I want to get my record up. I want to get to the big fights, and I just want to show the world like. What what I've been working on my the last ten years in the amateurs and I wanted to turn pro. I wanted the bigger stage. I want to I want to show the world. And we work so hard in the amateurs. We travel all the time. We compete all the time. But no one gets to see it. Well, now oh, I think everybody's going to see it. And, and like I said earlier, you know, I think I think you're the most polished and well spoken, and you just have everything. I think will put you way way over the top. Well, thank you. Um, in between, though, I know it sounds like you like to stay really busy and training, 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 but what what do you do for fun? Hello? What do you do for, like, fun in between times? Um, well... Training fun to me, first of all. But uh, I do a lot of things. I have two dogs, so i really big dog dork. I mean, I just hang out with them all day, take them on walks, go swimming, go on hikes. Um, you know, I'm just moving to a new city, so trying to explore. Uh, I met a couple of friends oh, nice. here. But, yeah, I, keep, I just try and keep busy. Like, I travel a lot, too. I'm going back to the 
training center next week to um, spar with some of the Team USA guys, um, help get them ready for their tournament. So that's cool. I'm keeping a cool relationship with them. Um, fly to New York next week to do a event for Under Armour. Um, nice. I start the following weekend. Jenny Fuse, you know, my 112-pound teammate, she's coming out here to Sacramento to see where I train and just kind of see my new life out here. So, yeah, I'm keeping busy, and I got – a lot of things going on, but it's fun. Well, good. And it'll just, that'll just, you know, that just, that'll add to the excitement of, you know, getting to see you on the 9th of December. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to be really, really exciting fight. That's going to be just a good card all over. Yeah, it is. And you got Michael Conlon and Shakur Stevenson on that card too. And, um, it's just like they're really building up their their young talent. So, yeah. Well, I have a soft spot for top rank because I'm so fond of Lee Samuels. He's just a great guy. Yeah, for sure. No, he is great. He's very cool. Okay. So, uh, all right. How long have you guys had this podcast? Um, We've had it for. Uh, this is our thirty third episode, and we've had everybody from. Um, Christy Martin to Maricela Cornejo to uh, Amanda Serrano to who else, David? Uh, Melissa Saintville, Melissa Saintville, Tom Loeffler, Stephen Espinosa. Uh, we've oh, had wow. a bunch. We've had a, a, a bunch of uh, of uh, of uh, female fighters and, and personalities in the female fight world. Now, my question for you, uh, Ms. Mayor, is. Uh, uh, you know, one of my what my personal favorites is Bob Arum. So, how was that first meeting? Meeting, you know, such a legendary promoter, and now your promoter, uh, Mr. Bob Arum. <laughs> I didn't even meet Bob until um, the press conference, my first press conference with him at my debut. <laughs> and um, I think like he, you know, he's such an old school guy. He's not used to working with women, and. I think that Todd was the one who kind of put this in his ear. Like, listen, look what the UFC done with Ronda Rousey. Um, this is what we got to do. Like, times are changing. We got to sign a woman. So I don't think he knew, like, a whole lot about me at first, but we've had a bunch of conversations since then, and he he's, seems like he's really on board and he's getting with, you know, the time. So it's, it's pretty now, talking, cool to kind of huh? – Talking about Todd – you know, some females have been featured on ESPN. Marlene Esparza's uh, first fight, her pro debut, was featured on ESPN. Now, they have this awesome deal with ESPN. Now, have they, has Todd given you a timeline of when we will be able to see you on, on ESPN? I know that they're, they're streaming your fights on their channel and, and everything, but you have not been featured on ESPN just yet. Has he mentioned to you a timeline of when we can see you on the channel? Yeah, so it's definitely going to happen. I think we're just doing it right. Um, we want to, like, we want to build it up. We want, when I when I get my chance on TV, I want to have thousands of new fans tuning in. And so I think we're just doing doing it the more strategic way, building me up a little bit. But definitely in 2018, you'll see me. You'll see me on ESPN. So that's the plan. Now, you, you mentioned your next fight is going to be on um... – on uh on December ninth in New York City, and that's about three months after your last fight, which was last week. Is that the right speed?
speed that you want to go? Do you wish you were fighting a little bit more often? I mean, the other name that you get, the other name that you get, um, you know, tagged on with is obviously the other lightweight, you know, former Olympian uh, in the division, Katie Taylor. And she fought a little bit more often than they've setting you up. So would you rather fight more often or do you think this is the right speed for you? Are you there? I broke up. David, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I think she, I think she, they broke up on her, on her, her end. Oh, that's a shame. Amy, are you still with us? Uh-huh. Okay, I think she oh, broke okay. up. I think she's not there. Miss Mayer, you there? Mayer? No, she dropped. Uh, well, maybe she'll call back because I had a couple more questions. But there you had it. We had former Olympian and now top-ranked fighter, pro 2-0 and with two knockouts, Miss Micaela Mayer with us. And hopefully she calls back because it looks like she dropped. She dropped. Oh, there she is. Oh, thank God she called back. <laughs> Let me see. Let me patch her in. I can hear you guys and everything. You just couldn't hear me. Oh, I couldn't hear you. Thank you. Thank you for calling back. So, uh, so yeah. to refresh the question, are we going the right speed for you, or do you will you wish to fight a little bit more often? Um. Well, okay. So, I, we signed this contract later in the year. Um. I had my debut August. Um. Then I fought again September. So, October, November, that's two months in between my next fight. Ideally, I would like to fight every month but you know it's not always going to work out that way um i think they did a good job of putting me on three solid cards this year mm-hmm. um and they do plan on fighting me five to six times a year so as long as i can get in at least those five fights a year I'm, i think i'm happy with that but like i said i'm used to fighting all the time so i want to get my record up i want to fight as often as possible you know i'm pushing them i'm telling them put me on cards fight me i'm ready to go so mm-hmm. um but I like that they're putting me on good cards, you know. They they debuted me on Lomachenko card, and now um, they just put me on Oscar Valdez's card, which is awesome, and now Madison Square Garden. So I think they're doing it right. Yeah. Now I'm going to piggyback on, on David's comment about your transition into the pro world in the pro boxing. I was there in Tucson uh, last week, and I was very impressed. I mean, I saw your pro debut, but that was only, you know, a minute, a minute and a half. And you completely overmatched uh, your first opponent. But Martinez, she was there to fight. I mean, you were a lot taller than her, but she wanted to get in there and mix it up with you. But you were able to keep her at bay with that jab and your movement. So that would impress me because you looked very comfortable in there. You looked like you had done it a bunch of times as a as a pro, you know. And obviously, your Olympic and your amateur uh, experience helped you with that. Now. You're not like any other fighter out there that can be that has to be taken slowly and developed. I mean, it could be taken a little, you know, not maybe with the fights, but the level of competition. So, do you see yourself? Have you talked to top rank? Do you see yourself fighting for a world title a year from now, or do you think it's going to take longer? No, we don't expect it to take very long. I agree with you. I feel like my experience has already been. I, I've already had the experience. You know, I'm ready. Need to be pushed now. I'm ready to go. Um, I'm peaking. I feel good. I feel strong. And to me, I feel very calm in the ring. Even so, I thought it might be like a little more nerve wracking because it's a very different, you know, bigger stage, more people, but, you know, no headgear, smaller gloves. But I actually feel very relaxed and very comfortable. So 
what you're seeing is, is really how I'm feeling, which is good. But, yeah, I expect them to move me somewhat quickly this next year. I think they were taking kind of like a, you know, get obviously like boxing does, want to get want to get some fights in my belt, want me to feel comfortable. But I expect them to move me um, pretty well this next, in 2018. And, yeah, I want that title. I don't want to wait more than a year. I'm ready to go for it next year for sure. All right. Well, there you have it. David, any other questions? Amy, any other questions before we let Ms. Uh, Mayer go? I know she has to either feed her dogs or take them out for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're is just going to stay tuned there, and Michaela? see what happens. Michaela, is there anybody out there that you would like to fight? Huh? Is there anybody on your radar that you would like to fight? Yeah, do you have years? a wish list? I want to fight them all. Um and ultimately, when the time is right, I know that me and Katie Taylor are going to face off, and it's going to be a big fight. And I want us to both build ourselves properly so that when that fight does come, it's, um, it'll be a big thing for women's boxing. So that's definitely on my radar. But right now, I've learned, especially with my experience, you take one fight at a time, one year at a time. So right now, I'm just focused on December 9th, and then... I agree. I want to pick up the competition. I want to get to the big fights sooner than later. So, Well, there you have it with us, Ms. Uh, Michaela Meyer from Top Rank, pro fighter now, 2-0 with two knockouts. We thank you for joining us here on the two-minute round, and hopefully it's not your only visit. We hope to have you soon uh, in the future. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be back on. Just let me know. We'll be in touch. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Thank you, Michaela. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, Ms. Michaela Mayer with us here on the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at a female boxer. If anybody wants to call in and discuss female boxing with us, they can They can at 323-580-5735. Again, it's 323-580-5735. But let's go back to our discussion over Marlene Esparza, another a former Olympian, a bronze medalist in the 2012 uh, Olympics in London. And do you think the, the, the hiatus between May and September had to do with her not making weight, David? Uh, you know, that's a strong possibility. I think maybe the fact that she knew she had a long period of time to wait because she was only fighting on big cards, I think that hurts her. I think she just has to get on any... Yeah, she's got to be ready to fight. Uh, I don't know. Three, four months I, from now. Yeah, I just don't understand what they're doing with her. I mean, they have the ESPN uh, platform. They've used her in the ESPN platform before. They're having shows all the time. You know, she's 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 a fighter that has a lot to say. She's outspoken. She's a good-looking woman. Um, she has a style. She, the way that she, her she dresses, the way that she goes to the weigh-ins. And it's completely different. I mean, she's wearing a skirt, which I've never seen before. Uh, it's all done by Nike. She's, she has big-time sponsors. And for her to only be, be being brought up so slowly, is, is, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. Amy, you as a publicist, uh, what do you make of it? She's with Golden Boy, right? Uh-huh. Yes. She's with Golden well, Boy. Well, I mean... You know, I I had a years ago I had an off the record conversation with Eric Gomez, and I mean a long time ago. And he just at that time he had absolutely zero interest in 
women's fights, and they've slowly come around to where now they have somebody that's a very amazing prospect. And I just don't think, it doesn't seem like they're being as aggressive as Top Rank is with Michaela. You know, I, I don't know if it's if it's the weight class because she's such a small weight and it's, you know, harder to find the good competition or if they're just not, I, I, don't, I can't understand why they wouldn't move her. I mean, you know, they've, they've got an amazing prospect. She has the Olympic experience. She's already had some good endorsements. I think during the Olympics she had like Revlon or somebody. They should in my opinion, as a publicist, they should have her everywhere. They should be matching her fights. She should be very face-forward. You know, you've got Michaela's talking about doing something with Under Armour. I don't see that happening with Marlon, to my knowledge. No. I, I, I don't understand their reluctance, or if it's just they're just going to take it a little slower, but I think definitely that she's someone that needs to be moved. You know, no. she's going to get the better experience. She already, you know... Her fight wasn't televised on the Golovkin undercard, but and and there were empty chairs everywhere, from my understanding. But it sounded like it was a really good fight, in spite of her not making weight. I just don't. She's an Olympic. She's an Olympian. She's got the skill. She's got this unique look. She's got the Nike thing going for her. She should really be moved. Now. You're right about her. Her fight was very early on. It was streamed on, online on Facebook and on the uh, Golden on the Ring TV. And yeah, and that's one other discussion that we had with David on the show here prior. Is that what's the point of? I know that she wants to fight on these big cards and she feels that she's getting um, the exposure. But I think she would get a lot more exposure fighting fighting at the Fantasy Springs Casino. You know, with probably more people in the stands than when she's that than there are at the T-Mobile Arena when she's fighting and at the swing bot on ESPN. David? Yeah, I think she's being hurt by that. I think um I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think that's part of her contract that she has to be in big cards and maybe that's, you know, they're doing. I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I but agree. they, they, they could have conversations. ESPN. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. as far as the fight was concerned, it was a good fight. It was action-packed. You know, I still see her transitioning, like you say, David. Like she still has that amateur uh, style, and, and it's taking her longer to get there. I mean, Michaela Meyer, even though she only has two fights, and we spoke about it, Mayer. Sorry, she, we spoke about it um, here that it looks like she's ahead of her. Just maybe she just has more of a pro style, but it is taking. Uh, Marlene a little bit longer to get there and, and the fact that she's fighting every five months is it, not helping. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it's going to take a little while to get that pro style because uh, I, can, I can see her trying. I can mm-hmm. see her trying to, to to use more forceful punches but it's like she has to think about it. It's not mm-hmm. coming naturally like it is with Michaela. Um, and it's also the same thing I, I see with uh, Clarissa Shields. I think Clarissa has an aggressive style, but she hasn't gotten the timing down yet. I agree with you. She, I agree she, with you. She has, she has the power. She has the speed, but she doesn't have the timing yet. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about that before the show, too, that Clarissa, but she's so overpowering. She's so overpowering over mm-hmm. her opponent. She's so strong and she's so quick over 
her opponents that you can't even notice that her 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 style is still a bit amateurish. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't see. She should be able to knock these girls out. She really should. She will be. She will be. She'll get that timing down one day, and everybody will be knocked out. But right now she's <laughs> clubbing them instead of hitting them. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, Esparta did win that fight against Araceli Palacios with the unanimous decision 60-54 three times. And then moving on to Friday, September 22nd from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Karen Elizabeth Carvajal scored a unanimous decision over Cynthia Gisela Castillo in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBC Latino title at the Super Featherweight Division. Those scores were 100 to 90, 99-91, and 97-93. On that same night, our guest, uh, Michaela Mayer scored a third round TKO over Allison Martinez in a scheduled four rounder. The time was 39 seconds. Martinez was down in the first and in the third. We already kind of mentioned uh, what we thought about the fight. David, any more thoughts on that fight? She looked like uh, Tommy Hearns the way she. Uh, she looked great. I was I was really impressed with her, David. I was really I was really impressed. I wasn't expecting to see that type of fighter uh, in her early, her second pro fight. And I started thinking, hey, you know, right now, I mean, obviously Katie Taylor would be the favorite, but I wouldn't take her, you know, as, I mean, a big, big favorite. I think Michaela right now could give her a run for her money just because of her size. She's so tall and so rangy, and she uses that jab so well to keep him at bay that Katie Taylor is going to have a tough time getting inside of her. So, I mean, Taylor is the favorite just because of her experience, but I think Mayer gives her a run for her money right now. That uh, is a fight kinda... that every single female that's involved in boxing ought to be at. If, even, you know, get oh, a yeah. passport or, <laughs> you know, do something. But that's something everybody needs to see. That's, that's going to be the one. I agree. I agree. Yeah. That one, I mean, which was which one is bigger, David and Amy? That uh, Michaela Mayer against against Katie Taylor or Clarissa Shields against uh, Christina Hammer? You know, for me, it's gonna it's it's just because look, I got to be politically correct here. Okay, um, I, for me, it's going to be the, to. the Katie Taylor, the Katie Taylor, and the Michaela Mayer. Because I like their demeanor for the sport. Mm. I like so, their attitude. I like the way they carry themselves, and they're dedicated. They're hardworking. And you, you, you heard how well spoken Michaela Mayer is. I mean, she's she's got her shit together. Mm-hmm. I, and and Christina yeah. Hammer is incredibly poised and, and glamorous and beautiful. And I'm gonna stop right there. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of think of the Hammer fight because she's experienced. And right now, Katie Taylor and, and Michaela Mayer are not experienced yet. They're going to get a whole yeah. lot better. But Christina Hammer's already there. She's already experienced. Yeah. Yeah. She's already gotten world titles in two different uh, sanctioning bodies. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a bigger fight because just because of Christina Hammer. And, and, and just uh, just for the record, Amy, I'm pretty much on the same page on the other one that you're not willing to mention uh, as far as uh, what you're saying. So, or you're not saying. I'm, I'm on the same page out with you right there as well. Um, so, lastly, on Saturday, September 23rd, uh, from the Agua Caliente Casino in Rancho Mirage, California, two-time 
uh, two-divisional world champion, Kalisha Wild Wild West, scored a unanimous decision over Christy Simmons yeah. in the sixth rounder at the 128-pound catchweight. Scores were 59-55 and 58-56, two times, which seems a little bit close. David, you were there. Tell us about that fight because it was not televised anywhere. It was not streamed. Yeah, it was an interesting fight because uh, basically Kalisha had not been in the ring for three years. She hadn't won a fight in five years. And um, she, because she was heavier and uh, was very rusty, she didn't fight the normal Kalisha West style, which was mm. speed, movement, and quick combinations. Uh, instead, and, and another thing, too, is that her opponent was a lefty and normally, you know, a heavier girl. Uh, but Kalisha right away found out that uh, she has more power. She just planted her feet, dared the girl to come in, and then clobbered her with left hooks and uh, and good jabs. And uh, she didn't really have to move. She was the one that was moving the other girl. And uh, it was a pretty interesting fight. Uh, there were times when uh, uh, Christy Simmons um, got in her horse, and well, not got in her horse, but became more uh, busy, and she won a, a round, maybe two. There, there was possibly two rounds that she won, but one for sure. But what always uh, happened is that Kalisha would connect with that left hook and send her two, three feet in whatever direction she was hitting her, and and that was the deciding factor of her power. She nearly knocked her down a couple of times, and um, but Kalisha, she just knows what to do. She has that timing down, and uh, she's very confident, very calm, uh, didn't get excited, uh, didn't use a lot of energy. In fact, mm-hmm. after the fights, she said that she saved too much energy because at the last round, she realized, I have all this energy. I could have got another two, three, four more rounds because she was worried she would get tired. Yeah. But, uh, no, she did very well. Looked very, very good for three years off. So I'm sure Are you got to have speak- her more active? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's going to – she she plans on fighting uh, very soon. Uh, she's already got offers. I can't really say who. Um, she can't uh, really accept any offers. Uh, she has some uh, – she has some business she has to attend to uh, in the next week, and she'll be able to to know if she can go after another fight very soon. And hopefully, it's a big fight because uh, she's getting she's getting pretty good offers. Good. Yeah. I hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, may, maybe give her one more fight. You know, give her one more fight, maybe an eight rounder, so that she can, you know, really time herself as far as her conditioning and get a little bit more of that rust off. And then ho- hopefully that after that, uh, be a bigger fight. Now in that rounder, she could fight a good opponent so that you know she could get tested a little bit. But I think it would be a mistake if she got thrown. I mean, like you mentioned, she hadn't fought in two or three years. She hadn't won a fight in five years. So I think uh, even though she's very well experienced, I mean, she's been fighting since she was a little girl. She's done it all. She's fought for world titles. She's won world titles. She's traveled the world. But I think as far as just like the physical part of it, I think one more fight would probably be best before something big and meaningful. Yeah, yeah. She didn't quite have her legs. They were a little rubbery, but that's understandable when you haven't fought in such a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, 
Let's move on to a little bit of female fight chatter, starting off with the aforementioned Katie Taylor will fight for her first world title as she meets two-weight world champion Anaí Esther Sanchez for the WBA lightweight crown, that same crown that she just won not too long ago that we mentioned uh, uh, earlier on the show. On the undercard of Anthony Joshua's world heavyweight title against Kubra Pulev in Cardiff on October 28th, so that's going to be in England, Katie Taylor fighting for her first world title against a tough Argentinian, you know, but, you know, it is Katie Taylor, so I'm sure we're going to watch some fireworks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. The, the only thing is that, you know, back to that pro style and amateur style, I don't think Katie Taylor has gotten the timing down yet. She is going to mm-hmm. be knocking people out, but she's, she, she's a little bit behind, too. She's more of a but, busy, uh, brawling type of fighter, but she hasn't gotten her timing. But it should be enough to beat uh, Anais Ter Sanchez, who has a record of 17, excuse me, 17 wins, two losses, nine knockouts. Her two losses came uh, back in 2016 against Eva Wallstrom in United's decision in Helsinki. And then she was stopped in four rounds by Maiva Hamadouche in Paris. Uh, earlier this uh, year in, in May. So, and that was at 130 pounds. So at 135, I'm going to guess that uh, that uh, Katie Taylor is going to be the stronger of the two. Yeah, that's true. Very true. Now, I agree. Uh, now, David, on that night on September 16th in Las Vegas, Nevada, there were supposed to be two female uh, fights on that card. The other female fight was supposed to be a with uh, the British Nicola, Nicola, Nicola Adams, who fight fell off basically the same day as their fight, not the night before at the weigh-in, when her opponent, Alexandra Vlasic, uh, I guess, I, I heard something that she had, like, hepatitis, and then there was another report that she had an, uh, uh, an issue with her eye. You were out there. What, what kind of reports did you get? Well, of course, the report I was given, it was uh, she failed her blood uh, sample, and so it could easily be hepatitis or something, but she didn't pass the blood test. Oh. Yeah, is, is, did you get a chance to speak to Adams or anybody in that team? I mean, I think that she's been training out here in the West Coast. We all know um, that, you know, it's out in the open that her and Marlene Esparza are an item, so they're training together, and it's a shame that they weren't able to be put on that card together. And now I know that Nicola, I did see an interview after that, that she's back in England and she's looking to fight uh, in England uh, fairly soon. Cause she did train this whole time for that fight. Yeah, it was just too bad. I, you know, I, I rushed over there to see those two, uh, the two female fights. And um, uh, I saw, I was there to see Marlon's fight, but I thought maybe I'd missed Nicola's fight, but, they told me her fight never happened, so I tried to find out what exactly occurred. But uh, sadly, you know, she didn't. it happens in female boxing. Uh, there's not that many opponents, so you can't be too choosy. Yeah. Now, it's officially announced that unified undefeated welterweight champion Cecilia Breakhouse will defend her titles against Sweden's Michaela, another Michaela, Lauren, this time is Lauren, on October 21st in Stoke, Norway. Uh, they have fight, fought before back in 2010 where Breakhouse stopped the inexperienced Lauren in seven rounds. Uh, but back then, Lauren only has six fights. 
Uh, and since then, Lauren has been a world champion and has uh, substantially improved her skills. Do you think it's going to make a difference this time, uh, David and Amy? Uh, Amy, you can go first. I no. I mean, Cecilia's just she's just kind of she's just you know impervious to her competition. I mean, you know, I I don't see it going any way. I see her continuing as as you know the first lady from 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 this fight on. Mm-hmm. Now, we've heard rumors that she was thinking of facing Cyborg uh, in a fight. Cyborg got a, a boxing license in California. We heard rumors that she her next fight uh, was going to be out here in the United States. None of that happened, and now she's fighting Michaela Lauren uh, in Norway, in her home country. So, you know, are we ever going to see her in the United States? Or again, I know that she's fought once or twice in the United States. Are we ever going to see her in the States again? I doubt it. I think the fact that Layla McCarter is after her is kind of like making her stay in Europe, uh, uh, trying, trying to, I guess, trying to make that money. But I don't understand why she's avoiding Layla McCarter. If most people claim her as the pound for pound best, then Michaela has her people that claim her the pound for pound best. It only seems natural that they fight each other. I just don't understand why it doesn't happen. She wants to fight Cyborg and Michaela Lauren and, and Erica Fadias, no. but no Layla McCarthy. But what's going on with uh, Layla McCarthy? I mean, she signed to Mayweather Promotions, and she hasn't fought. Well, she I, she wants uh, Cecilia Blakis, and um, it's just not happening. She needs to say, well, you know, they've got... Who, who else besides Latondria and... Um, Layla are signed with May- the money team. Just them too. Just uh, Layla and Latandra Jones, as far as females. Okay. And 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 Layla well, hasn't fought since not April. Keeping, they're not keeping all their men busy. No. Oh yeah, absolutely not. So, hopefully, I mean, I mean, we had Layla on the show here, and she was excited about the signing, but you could hear in her voice, and she. She verbally said it that, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's another boxing promoter. It's not the first one she encounters. And she hoped that they would honor, you know, what they talked about and everything. And in my view, they have not. I mean, she's last fought in April. Here we are in September, almost October, and she hasn't fought. So that's a shame. And, and, and I think, and I agree with you, David, that the fight should be made against Cecilia Breakhouse just to see who's who. But how can you expect to break house, be interested in finding Layla if she just hasn't fought? She hasn't kept her name out there. She's with a somewhat of a big-time promoter, and, and, and they're still not doing anything for her. So, you know, it's kind of hard to fight somebody that is not in the public eye because it's really not going to bring anything to the table. Well, I, I think the fact uh, that it's been offered, uh, I mean, this is not just a recent thing. This has been going on for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Layla's fought meanwhile in those couple of years. But I don't think it's that. I, I just think Cecilia Breakers does not want to lose. And I think mm-hmm. she knows that Layla McCarter is a superior fighter. She's never fought somebody as skillful as Layla McCarter. Well, well let's see you know, if, uh, if, if it happens. And hopefully, uh, you know, Layla gets a fight. Now, anything uh, on you, you guys' pipeline? Any news that you guys want to share as far as the female fight chatter? 
Um, doing some work for Terry Moss, who's going to have her second pro card in Atlanta on November 4th, and she will have a WBF intercontinental, intercontinental fight between Helen Joseph and um, Mandy Fuentes. Oh, great. Oh, Mandy Fuentes. Yeah, good. She's the one that dropped uh, Cines Estrada last year, I believe, on that uh, Estrella TV card from the, uh, uh, what's the name of that theater, David? The Belasco. Uh, Belasco. Theater. Yeah. yeah, we've had Terry Moss on the show before, huh? You had her on the show in July, right, David? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, she was picking me up from the airport while you were having your interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, David, uh, have you had any chats with Nancy Rodriguez and Maricela Cornejos? I, I've been following them on on uh, social media, and it looks like they were saying we're, and that they were going to have a big announcement. And last time they were on the show, they mentioned that, you know, they were going to have something soon. Have you gotten any inclination of what that might be? No, no, I haven't heard a thing about that. I've also been expecting them to, to, to reveal something, but I, I guess maybe, you know, how it is in the female fight world, uh, they get real close and then somebody changes their mind. Uh, a la a ring star uh, last year. And, um, I saw Nancy we'll see, and I saw Nancy and Marciella at the at the Raging Bay brunch the day of the Canelo Golovkin fight, and they were they were the same thing. They were anticipating something coming soon, and that was what two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, I saw her yeah. doing some press some kind of press that, that they're going to announce something, but they, they haven't announced it as far as, I'm, as I know. They haven't announced it. And, and by the way, if Nancy gets to listen to this, happy birthday. It was her birthday yesterday, I think, on on the uh, 20, what is today, the 28th, the 27th of September. So we send a happy birthday to Nancy Rodriguez, who does a lot for female boxing. Any news from you, David, uh, that we haven't mentioned? Uh, no, none at all right now. Um, the only thing is that uh, Amanda Serrano was scheduled to fight on November 4th in New York. They haven't picked an opponent yet. Uh, the fight against Argentina's uh, Esteche uh, is not going to happen. They wanted too oh. much money. Yeah, they wanted too much money, or basically they didn't want to fight her. Uh, Amanda Serrano uh, has been saying that this might be her last fight. She might just go full into MMA. Mm. And hopefully not. Oh. I, I really do hope not, because she to me, she's one of the most exciting fighters today. Well, I mean, if she, this is her last fight, let's say, let's, you know, let's take everything with a grain of salt. She could go to, uh, she could, she could say it's her last fight. She has her last fight. She goes to MMA. God forbid things don't work out in the MMA where she ends up losing or she just doesn't take to the training, which I doubt because she's a great athlete, or she just doesn't get the recognition that she wants um, from the MMA side. And we might see her back in boxing, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bet my house on on her not coming back to boxing. Yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. She's a great fighter. Well, um, well, then let's go on the final stretch. We got 22 minutes here left on the show, but let's give you the upcoming calendar, which we will be talking about on October 12th. And there isn't really much on the pipeline before October 12th. We got. Friday, September 29th, from the Pabellón La Casilla in Bilbao, Spain. Maria Lindbergh is going to be facing Ina, uh, this is a, a tough name, Zagavdrakrovskaya. So that's 
So, you know, she's from, the, like, I think Finland or something. In a 10-rounder for the super welterweight vacant WBC silver title. So the winner there is going to get ranked in the top 10 and not in the top 5 for the WBC super welterweight division. So we might be seeing her uh, fairly soon in, in a title fight. But they are going to be facing each other on September 29th. That is tomorrow night. And then on Saturday, September 30th, uh, even though there isn't that many fights, this is the fight that we want to see. Jessica Chavez is going to be facing Esmeralda Moreno in the final of the WBC uh, flyweight tournament. This is for the WBC diamond belt. They faced tw- uh, twice before. Back in, I think it was 2011 or 12, uh, Esmeralda Moreno took that fight. And then last year, in what we consider the fight of the year, Jessica Chavez beat Esmeralda Moreno in a close, tough fight. And now this Saturday night, they're going to be facing each other again. David, are you as excited as I am for this fight? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I really don't know who's going to win this one. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up between these two women. They both look in shape. They had the final presser today. Tomorrow they're going to have the weigh-in. And then we're going to see who is the best flyweight for the WBC and that tournament, I mean, Melissa McMorrow was there in that tournament, two-time flyweight champion. Ana Razola mm-hmm. was there, uh, you know, a silver champion. Raja Amache, who was undefeated before stepping into that tournament, was in that tournament. Uh, what's her name? Naoko Fujioka was in that tournament, you know. So, uh, you know, there were some of the best of the best in the flyweight division in that tournament. So, I don't see uh, why the, one of this, the, whoever wins this fight cannot be considered the best flyweight in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That is the, the final say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, uh, also it, from, from Cancun on the competing Mexican TV channel, and that's something that we've seen time and time again, and we mentioned it here on the show, is that in Mexico, female fighting is huge, where on the two terrestrial biggest networks on TV, on their biggest boxing shows that they have on Saturday nights, female fights are the main event. On Televisa, it's going to be Jessica Chavez against Esmeralda Moreno. And on Azteca Channel, which is Sanford, we're going to have the former flyweight champion, Areli Muncino, facing 10K Tsunami in a rematch in a 10-rounder at flyweight. They fought back in, I believe, also 2011, and Areli Monsignor took a majority decision in, the hometown, in her hometown of Monterrey. So Tsunami's been asking for the rematch ever since. She's finally getting it. And also on that card from Cancun, Lupita Martinez, the WBC super flyweight champion, is going to be doing her first defense against Panamanian Carlota Santos. Lupita Martinez, the one that dethroned one of the most solid Mexican fighters out there in Zulema La Loba Munoz. And there were talks of a rematch in August, but those didn't materialize. And now she's going to be doing her first defense against Carlota Santos, who doesn't show much on paper. We'll see what she does inside the ring. David, any thoughts on those fights or Amy? Well, Areli uh, Musinho, she has a tough fight. Uh, Tsunami is a very rugged uh, fighter. Never been uh, knocked out. uh, Yeah, she's tough. Uh, I don't know if Musinho bit up more than she can chew. She barely escaped the first one. We'll see what happens this time. And, and, and those, she those is, are some go ahead. tough competitive fights. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, 
And for me, Arely Monsignor, since taking a little bit of a hiatus where she was she left Promociones del Pueblo, a big time uh, Mexican promoter, and moved on to Sanford, she was kind of inactive for a year, and then she's had three fights since. She didn't look all that great in those the next, and it's been like a very marginal opposition. So with Tsunami being so tough, never been knocked down. She's fought some great fighters, Mariana Juarez. Uh, she's fought a bunch of fighters. Um, you know, it's, I agree with you, David. That's going to be a tough fight, and hopefully, you know, Monsignor gets through it. We'll see what happens. And then Lupita Martinez, I think that even though her record is not that great, she is a tough fighter. She did beat Sulina Munoz, and now she's going to be defending her title against the Panamanian Carlota Santos. And then on Saturday, October 7th, from La Islas Canarias in Spain, Davinia Perez is going to be fighting Jorgelina Guanini in a 10-rounder for the 122 vacant WBC Silver title and those are all the major female fights in the next couple of weeks and we'll be discussing them uh some of them on october 12th obviously we'll be discussing the jessica chavez against esmeralda moreno fight and the arely monsignor against tanka and tsunami and the martinez carlota santos and anything else that we could get our hands on as far as female boxing so uh any last words uh amy green I, i'm i'm still thinking back about layla mccarter and and that and that situation, I just you know, I I, I think I, I hate it. I hate it that she's waiting, trying to wait out Cecilia. You know, I just I, I mean, are, are there is there any? I mean, are there any other? I mean, any other options even in some of these? Is, is Layla fighting at welterweight now, or where is she? Uh, yeah, right now she's fighting at. Well, actually, she's. Fights anywhere from lightweight to super welterweight. She won the super welterweight title a couple, several years ago, and uh, by knocking out the uh, girl from South Africa, and then she well, fought and there were there were some her out. yeah, there were some super welterweights that you just mentioned. I mean, I mean, is she not? I mean, is I mean, is it just is she just waiting for? Mayweather's team to move her, or she just is is break us the only fight that she wants because she's, you know, I, I, I hate it that she's just she going to be wants, shelved like that. Yeah, I, I personally think she just wants Cecilia break us and call it a day. Um, but and she's also tried to get the, the girl from Belgium, uh, also Delphine Persoon, and yeah. to no avail. So uh, I think she, she ended up having a. a hand issue remember so she's like retired remember she had a hand issue and if it didn't get fixed with surgery she was she was supposed to retire and we haven't heard anything from her since so i think she might have been she might retire well i'm gonna have to give her a call you yeah. should actually bring her back on <laughs> yeah let's bring Layla back idea. on and find out and find out what's going on maybe we could have her on for october 12th now she did go on a Twitter war with Clarissa Shields, and you know yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she goes up to met, to to uh, middleweight and and fights Clarissa Shields at one point. That's yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, there you have it, folks. We this is the thirty third episode of the Two Minute Round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. We had Michaela Mayer on the show with us, which was a great interview. Uh, we had uh, our fight results, some little bit of a female fight chatter, and our upcoming calendar. We expect you with us on our next show, October 12th. 
And without further ado, we bid you good night from my co-host, Mr. David Avila and Miss Amy Green. Good night. Take care. Thank you. Good night. Good night.